Well, good evening, Foothill Family Church. Welcome back to the evening service. It was so good to see all of you online this morning. Make sure and do us a favor. Go ahead and hit share right below where you're watching on Facebook so all of your friends and family can see what you get to experience every week, that they can get fed the word of God, and they can join us in this time of worship. We love you. We miss you. We're looking forward to being back with you in person soon. But until then, we're going to keep worshiping our God and keep growing in the word and the knowledge of him. Amen. fills the night it cannot hide the light whom shall I fear you crush the enemy underneath my feet you are my sword and shield though trouble lingers still whom shall I fear I know who goes before me. Ready? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever. He is a friend of strength is in your name for you alone can say you will deliver me yours is the victory whom shall I fear whom shall I fear cause I know
God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. Keep 
Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Way make miracle work, promise keep. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Way make miracle work, promise keep. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Praise you, Father. Praise you. the Lord God Almighty praise you for you alone are holy God we give you all the praise and all the glory we thank you for this time together this evening to worship you to hear from you God we are open and we are expecting move in this place tonight move in the homes of each one gathered online 
We love you so much, Father, and we thank you for this opportunity to continue to minister into the lives of everyone that's here tonight. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to start tonight in John chapter 14. Jesus, on the last night that he was with his disciples at the Last Supper, told the disciples, beginning in verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. A couple of weeks ago, the Lord impressed upon me something that, uh, that's kept me going over these last few weeks, and I can't get away from it. I can't exactly say that he showed me something I'd never seen before. Maybe a better way to, to express it would be I saw something that I already knew but saw it in a different and, and magnified manner. And that was this. I was impressed with the fearlessness of Jesus as he stood before and dealt with the devil and evil spirits and sickness and disease. The Bible tells us that all created beings in heaven and in earth were created by Jesus. Well, that would include the principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and the spiritual wickedness in heavenly places as those evil works, evil spirits are identified in Scripture. And in order for us to do the works of Jesus... It's going to take that same fearlessness on our part. Now, I thought back, and I've had, uh, I, like I said, I've had a couple of weeks to, to think and meditate on some of these things. The Bible says that Lucifer was a created being. And the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 28 how beautiful Lucifer was, how his state of being when he was created, it says things like he was uh, the anointed cherub that covers. It says that every precious stone was his covering. It magnifies his beauty. It magnifies the brightness of his wisdom. And you know the story how that Lucifer gathered a third of the angels and rebelled against God and was immediately cast down to the earth as a result of that rebellion. I believe that's what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, when he tells the 70 after they return from their ministry endeavors, they find out that sickness and disease is under their authority, just like Jesus said that it was. But then they also found out through their experience that the evil spirits were under their authority as well. And Jesus responds to them and says, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Now, I don't think Jesus is saying Satan fell when they used their authority in Luke chapter 10. I think he's referring to an, an earlier time when Satan and a third of the angels were thrown, cast out of heaven and thrown down to the earth. 
Well, when Jesus comes on the scene, he's baptized by John in the Jordan River. The Holy Spirit descends upon him in bodily shape as a dove, and it remains upon him. Then it tells us that Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness, where for 40 days he fasted and prayed. I'm sure he's praying about the ministry that God has for him and the ministry that he's about to enter into. But it says after those 40 days, the devil came and tempted him. So at Jesus' weakest moment, he's at the point where he's either going to have to feed his body or his body is going to expire. At his weakest moment, the weakest point, Satan came and presented his temptations. Now, I'm not sure how this works. I'm not sure I have full understanding or anybody could have full understanding on this. But I don't know that Jesus remembered all the things that he did in the creation of the world. I'm not sure that Jesus remembered specifically as a human being. I don't know that he remembered Satan being cast out of heaven and onto the earth. I don't know that Jesus remembered or had memory of the day that he created Lucifer and made him the beautiful being that Ezekiel 28 describes him to be. But one thing that we know for sure, and that was that Jesus was filled with the word of God. So he would certainly be aware of the things that were said in Ezekiel 28. If he didn't have memory of them, he knows that the word of God would be a revelation of how things used to be. And so when Satan comes to Jesus at the end of these 40 days of fasting, as recorded in Matthew chapter 4, he's trying to negotiate with Jesus or negotiate Jesus into sin. If Jesus had memory of what Satan was like, what Lucifer was like at his creation, or if he called to remembrance Ezekiel 28 that describes all the things about that creation of Lucifer, Look at the fallen state that, that, that Satan would have been in when he came and tried to negotiate Jesus into sin. Jesus knew, and Satan knew as well, that there was nothing that the devil could do to force Jesus into sin. Jesus knew that he had everything that was necessary, and that which was necessary to defeat the devil, <laughs> obviously, was the Word of God, because Jesus resp responded to each one of the temptations, each one of the three temptations, by quoting scripture, it is written. And so do we know that Jesus knew that he had everything that was necessary to overcome the devil. But I just wonder, I'm pretty sure I would have been thinking in these terms, not that that's a good or a bad thing, but I don't know how to relate that to Jesus. Could it be that Jesus looked at Satan and thought, boy, look at how things have changed for you. Satan presents himself as a strong being or a strong power, but he's a defeated foe. Now, the reason that I think along these lines is because, and I understand I'm thinking naturally, and it may not be anything, it may not be everything in line with what I'm, what I'm thinking and the way that I've imagined this. But if we recognize the difference between Satan now and Lucifer of then, then we can see how defeated he is. And I believe that the understanding of that defeat that Satan suffered would go a long way 
for us and in us to develop the same kind of fearlessness that Jesus had in the face of the enemy. We see in Mark chapter 5 where Jesus comes to the region called Gadara. And in that place, it tells us that there was a man that lived in the, the, the tombs. He was possessed of the devil, and it provided him with supernatural strength. It says that he had often been bound with chains and fetters to try to capture him. But over and over and over again, he just broke those chains and broke the fetters off of his body. But it says when Jesus came to that place, this man that was possessed of the devil came, ran to Jesus and fell down before him and worshiped him. And at that point, Jesus begins to cast the devil out of him. It says that Jesus had spoken to the, the evil spirit that was possessing this man and told him to leave. And the, the, uh, the evil spirit responded. He said, I know who thou art, thou son of God. I adjure thee before God that thou torment me not before the time. So we see that the evil spirits know their time is running out. We see the number one thing that was on the mind of that evil spirit that possessed this man was that his time was coming short. And he even invokes God as his defense to not be tormented before that time the time of his end or his demise Jesus then asked the evil spirit he said what is your name and the evil spirit says my name is, Le is legion for we are many then it says something else that's unusual it says the evil spirits all of them besought Jesus not to send them out of that country Staying in that country or in that territory, that region, geographic region, was somehow important to them. And so they asked Jesus to cast them out into the herd of swine that was feeding nearby. And Jesus gave them leave. And they entered into the herd of pigs. And the herd of pigs ran off the steep side of the, the mountainside there or off the cliff and drowned themselves in the water. I wonder if Jesus remembered creating legion. I wonder if Jesus had any memory of creating the multitude that were influencing this guy. Now, again, I'm not trying to make some new doctrine out of this or attach some importance beyond what it actually was. But Jesus was the creator of the world. He was the creator of all these evil spirits. They were certainly not created for the function in which they're operating in now. These demon spirits, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in heavenly or high places. These evil spirits are rebel holders of authority. They're operating in a way that God never intended for them to operate. They're exercising influence over the prince of the power of the air to bring about his agenda and his plan and his purpose, which is completely counter to God's plan and purpose for his man, Adam and Eve, when he created them and all the descendants of the earth for the specific purpose of having authority here on this earth. 
as the creator of everything, Jesus would have unique knowledge and a unique perspective as to his authority over evil spirits that operate in this world against mankind. Now, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 13. Look with me to something here concerning Jesus' authority over the devil. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 10, it says, And as he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. Now, here's a specific case, a specific instance, where this infirmity, it didn't seem to be sickness or disease, but it was an infirmity that limited her movement. If I understand what the Bible is describing correctly, she must have been bent over at the waist and her worldview was the view of her feet, the top of her own feet. And the Bible talks about that being a spirit of infirmity. So here is, and we can assume that there are other cases like this as well, certainly not every case because Jesus didn't deal with the devil in every situation of healing. But there are some situations that are enforced by evil spirits. Jesus comes upon one of these cases where the woman had an evil spirit that was somehow causing or influencing her body. Now, it doesn't say the evil spirit was in her, but it was certainly affecting and influencing her body, restricting her mobility. And when Jesus saw her, verse 12, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And he said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound low these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he had said all these things, all of his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Jesus saw a woman that in God's estimation, and remember, God never changes. Remember also, God is no respecter of persons which means what's he want, what he wants for one person, he wants for all. Now, God may have different purposes for us here on the earth to do different things or to stand in different places in his body in the church. But he has to want healing the same for one as for all if he's, going to be a, if he's not going to be a respecter of person. And this gives us a glimpse of why Jesus thought she should be free. He identifies two things. He said, oh, not this woman being a daughter of Abraham. So healing is obviously a part of the covenant blessing of Ab that God made with Abraham. The second reason is he said that Satan had bound her for these 18 years. Folks, we should take comfort in the fact, in the reality, that God doesn't want any of his children bound by the devil for 18 years or 18 seconds. We serve such a good and loving Heavenly Father 
He wants us to spend every moment of our lives in freedom. Not under the bondage or the rule or the influence of the devil. So Jesus says, ought not this woman, shouldn't she be healed on the Sabbath day? First and foremost, because she's a daughter of Abraham. She's an heir of the covenant promises that God made to Abraham. And because Jesus was sent to the earth to destroy the works of the devil. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. This word loosed in, John, in uh, Luke chapter 13. This word loosed when Jesus said woman thou art loosed from thine infirmity. The root word is the same root word that's used for redeemed. This could be interpreted literally as Jesus saying woman thou art redeemed from thine infirmity. Well let's finish Galatians chapter 3. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Now verse 14 of Galatians chapter 3 tells us what we were redeemed for or unto. It says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith. And that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Therefore, the Word of God tells us that the same blessing of healing that Jesus said belonged to her as a daughter of Abraham. That same blessing of healing and health belongs to us because we're children of God and spiritual descendants of Abraham, as the Bible explains. We're in a place in time that's certainly unique, different than anything anybody has ever experienced before in this world, at least in our lifetimes where things are changing in such a rapid manner that the world itself is being turned upside down. We've got this coronavirus that everybody's afraid of. Thank God we don't have to be afraid. Thank God because of what Jesus did for us, healing and health is ours. Because of the authority that we have as the church, the body of Christ here on the earth, we can decide, we can use our ex exercise our authority and use our authority to decide to reject anything that's of the devil and receive only that which is from God. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And he gave us authority. Whatsoever we bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Thank God we have the ability and we have been given authority to refuse to allow the coronavirus into ourselves, our families, and even our church family. Now, there have been other times in history where plagues came through that really make what we're facing, even the potential of what we're facing, seem like a minor incident. One of the things that happened many years ago concerned John Alexander Dowie. He was a Scottish preacher that moved to Australia and was pastoring a church there in Australia somewhere. And it was the time of the Black Plague. And this thing came through the region of Australia where he was, where he was pastoring a church, and it just ravaged the whole community. People were dying on every hand, the recovery possibility was almost zero according to the time and the medical 
conditions and situation as it was, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to treat it. So it was pretty much everybody that got it was, uh, was, had a death sentence on their head. And Dawi speaks of that time as went over, uh, well, a large number. I don't remember exactly the number of people that had died from his church. But there was a great number that did. And he was just coming back from one of the makeshift hospitals that had been set up in different places in that region where another one of his church members had died. And so he went back home. He was dejected. He was discouraged. He was perplexed. He had all the same questions that many people talk about now. God, why did you allow these things to happen? Are you behind this? Are you doing this in some way or some manner? So he's confused and confounded, grief-stricken. And when he got back home, he fell down on his face in the middle of the room. And he just simply cried out to God and he said, God, is everybody in my church going to die? And he said, as, uh, as quick as a flash, faster than you can snap your fingers. He said, the Lord brought to him Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, which says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Just as quickly as that verse of scripture came to him, he got revelation on what it meant. He instantly realized that Satan was the oppressor. Satan was the originator of sickness and disease. Satan was behind this black plague, not God, but that God was the healer. And that God, who never changes, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, was with Jesus, healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. And the Bible even identifies healing as good. Thank God it's always good. Now, there was a certain individual that was acquainted with Dowie's ministry. His name was, well, everybody called him Dad Nelson. He was the father of P.C. Nelson, who was a great minister in his own right. But Dad Nelson was in his 90s and still pastoring a church there. I believe it was a, a church in Texas. It was a pretty large church. And Dad Nelson, it was reported in the newspapers that during one of his Sunday morning sermons, services, he looked over to the side where nobody was sitting and he just said out loud, he said, now you'll have to wait. You'll have to wait till I finish my sermon and then I'll go with you. Well, nobody knew what was going on with that. Made a lot of people scratch their heads, I'm sure. But Dad Nelson finished his sermon. And as I said, this was all reported in the papers the next day. He finished his sermon, went back up on the platform or to the rear of the platform and sat down in a chair there on the platform bowed his head and died and it was the talk of the town for quite some time about how everybody heard dad nelson exercise his authority on when he would leave he wasn't afraid of going certainly he wasn't resistant to leaving this earth and going to heaven but he had a job to finish now dad nelson 
as you can see with somebody that was familiar with authority, he told a story about John Alexander Dowie. Now, there were some things that Dr. Dowie got off track on that no doubt cost him his life or many years of his life. And it was doctrine that he embraced toward the end of his life that was certainly an error. He began to call himself the messenger of the covenant. Well, Jesus is the messenger of the covenant. And so there were certain things about his faith, or I'm sorry, about his doctrine that you couldn't follow. But Dad Nelson told a story about how this person came to Dr. Dowie and they had this big mass, purplish mass on the side of their face that was almost the size of, his, of the person's head. Now, this was a cancerous growth that had attached itself to the skin and was growing roots down into, through the, the, the cheek and down into the throat. And Dad Nelson said, he was telling a group of ministers this, of which Brother Hagin was one of them. Dad Nelson said, I watched him, talking about Dowie. I watched him. He grabbed that thing with his fingers on the side of her face and just ripped it off. And there were two doctors that were there present. And those doctors were right by the side of this person and they examined the person's skin and it was fresh new baby skin, brand new skin. And Dowie is holding this thing with the roots visible. And so they were healed and instantly delivered in a spectacular manner. And Dad Nelson used that example to say, now, you can't follow his doctrine, but don't tell me you can't follow the faith of somebody like that. And there are other times and other people, other ministers, both in, in days gone by, but also in, in somewhat recent times, where they operated in this same kind of fearlessness. Jesus knew that he had nothing to be concerned about regarding the devil. Jesus knew that he had nothing to be concerned about when he ministered to the sick. I would imagine that a lot of people would shy away from laying hands on somebody that has leprosy. Jesus didn't. Jesus knew that sickness and disease had no right and through the exercise of his authority had no ability to attach itself to them, to him. In Matthew chapter 8, it tells us about a leper that came to Jesus and said, good master, I know that you can heal me if you will. And Jesus wasn't concerned about how severe the communicable disease of leprosy was. Jesus was instantly moved with compassion and stretched forth his hand and touched him and healed him. The Bible says in Isaiah that righteousness shall be the girdle of Jesus' reigns. What that means is Jesus understood that his righteousness laid the foundation for any and every good thing that he did at the direction of God. Now remember over and over again, Jesus doesn't take credit for the works that are done. The reason for that is because Jesus laid aside his heavenly power and glory to come to the earth. And once he was here, when he was anointed by the Holy Ghost, baptized by John in the Jordan River, and the Holy Ghost descended on him in bodily shape as a dove, that was where the anointing came upon Jesus. 
And Jesus wasn't just operating as a human being, but he was operating as a righteous human being who was anointed of God to help, to heal, and to deliver. You may also recall the story of John Lake, which not too long after he got to Africa, South Africa, where he was uh, headquartered in Johannesburg, there was another instance of this black plague that went through the southern part of the continent of Africa. And people were dying left and right. Very few people were recovering. The fatality rate of this was just through the roof. And as uh, they had in other places at different times, they had makeshift hospitals set up. And it was such a crisis that the United States sent medical teams, corps of in, uh, the Corps of Engineers, medical groups and, and others to help and to provide assistance. Well, this thing was such a dreaded disease that a lot of the workers, the people and the staff that were working in the hospitals contracted this same disease. But John Lake seemed to work tirelessly around the clock never affected by the disease, never symptomatic in any way whatsoever. And so some of the doctors recognized the difference that he was displaying in relation to the disease itself. And so they asked him, they said, how do you stay immune from this disease? They, re they took notice of the fact that he wasn't doing anything different or out of the ordinary he wasn't operating in some different way because of the severity of the disease or anything like that. And so he told them. He said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He said, that's my immunization. And they didn't understand that, so they asked him to explain further. And I guess that when somebody dies of this black plague, there was some kind of froth, some kind of foam that would come out of their mouths. And so... Lake just walked over to someone that had recently died from the disease and he took a, a microscope slide and he wiped some of that foam onto the, the slide. They put it under the microscope and all the doctors that were involved in this with him saw that this slide was just teeming with bacteria and germs and virus or whatever it was that caused this thing. And then Lake took it, took the slide out of the microscope wiped it off into his hand, and then wiped the, the foam off of his hand back onto the slide. When they put it under the microscope that time, they saw that every virus, every germ, every bacteria had died. And so Lake was able to share with them the power of God that kept him free from sickness and disease. Folks, we need to develop that kind of fearlessness in ourselves and in our lives too. I fully believe that there is a rising in the, in the church today, a group of people that will operate in that kind of fearlessness, a group of people that will recognize that they have nothing to fear from Satan himself. They have nothing to fear from sickness and disease. Folks, Satan does not have the right to put the coronavirus or any other virus on you and me. We decide. We're the ones that decide. We choose to bind this coronavirus. We choose 
to operate in divine health. We make that choice. The devil wants us to think that we don't have any choice in the matter, but he knows full well that we do. He simply wants to keep us from operating in our authority and exercising the authority that God has given to us. But the other side of this, thank God for healing. Thank God for provision. We don't have to worry about the economic circumstances of the world being turned upside down too. God will provide for us according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And those never change no matter what the stock market is. So thank God for those things. But the thing that I'm looking forward to, the thing that I consider to be one of the most important elements of the days that we live in, is the absolute fearlessness that we can and I believe we will develop when we face the enemy, when we face sickness and disease. I'm so looking forward to God doing signs and wonders and miracles in the midst of all of this stuff just to show who he is. I'm so looking forward to the church standing up and being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ who is risen and seated in the place of authority at God's right hand. I am so looking forward to the church becoming the church that the gates of hell can't prevail against. I believe we are living in perilous times, as Paul said. But even more than that, I believe we're living in glorious times. I believe we're living in days where the power of God will be seen and known, proven and demonstrated, where the gospel will be preached to all the world for a witness or with testimony, testimony of God's goodness and testimony of God's unlimited power. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We magnify your holy name. Forgive us, Lord, for being timid. Forgive us, Lord, for not standing up and being who we know you to be. For not operating in the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. We see that Jesus made an exchange for us, Father. You made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let that righteousness reveal to us the fact that the devil is a defeated foe, that he may walk about and roar as a lion, but he has no teeth because Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. I thank you, Father, that the least member of the body of Christ has access to power that's greater than anything the devil can come up with. I thank you, Father, that our bodies have been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus, so not only can we glorify God in spirit, but also in the healing and the health of our bodies. Father, we will not fear, for you are with us. We will not be dismayed, for you are our God. You strengthen us, you help us, and you uphold us with the right hand of your righteousness. And in your righteousness we are established. Oppression shall not come near unto us, for we do not fear. And terror shall not come nigh unto us either. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against us in judgment we do condemn. This is our heritage as children of God. And our righteousness is of you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you haven't given us a spirit of fear, 
but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And because of that power and that love and that soundness of mind, we don't need to fear the devil or anything he can do. We declare that we have authority here on the earth. We have authority over sickness and disease. And not only does that authority over sickness and disease keep us in divine health, but it enables us to minister to others to see them through their healing as well. Thank you, Father, for being so good to us and for loving us so. Thank you for giving us your son. Thank you, Father, for blessing us in each and every manner, each and every way possible. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us. We hope you join us again on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We'll be live streaming again the Wednesday night service. God bless you and have a great week.